Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. Hi, this is Dr. Daniels, and welcome to Healing with Dr. Daniels at the Blake Radio Network Rainbow Soul Channel. Okay, and today's topic is your thyroid, or more appropriately, it's not your thyroid. This is something that's really been annoying me for quite some time. Uh, many, of you do, and many of you know I do help people on a one-on-one basis. And so people would come to me saying, oh, Dr. Daniels, it's my thyroid, and I have Hashimoto's, and I have thyroiditis, and I have underactive thyroid, and I have the list is thyroid this and thyroid that. And I'll say, well, okay, what are your thyroid tests? And they'll say, well, my thyroid tests are normal, but I have all the symptoms. And so I then I have to take a deep breath and relax myself. Usually at that point I change the subject. Why do I do this? Uh, when I went to medical school, this was often a problem where a person would have every last symptom of the disease, but all the tests were, not, were negative. And when that happens, there's an incredible temptation to treat the person for the disease even though they don't have it by all of the tests. And there is something to be said for that, but I will tell you what happened in medical school. So medical school... It was drilled, 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 drilled into us. If a person's test results are negative, then maybe they're sick. But the problem is not with that particular organ system. So if someone has all the symptoms of thyroid disease, they've got the puffy eyes, they're overweight, they're tired, they're sluggish, they feel cold, they're constipated, all these thyroid symptoms they have, 
and their thyroid tests are normal. What that means is chances are they will not benefit from thyroid medication. And so really it had to be pounded into our heads. A normal test is a normal test is a normal test is a normal test. And so that for me was very frustrating when I practiced medicine. And these people had all these thyroid symptoms and I would do a thyroid test and it was normal. And before I started doing or using alternative methods of healing in terms of natural healing, this was just incredibly frustrating because I knew they had these symptoms. I believed because of what I was uh, taught in medical school that thyroid replacement would help these symptoms. But at the same time, you know, I had been trained. If the thyroid tests are normal, then the thyroid is normal. It wasn't until about 1992, this young lady came in. She was uh, 20-something. She was in college. And she was a slender lady. But, you know, she was having some tiredness and this and that. Checked her thyroid. Sure enough, her thyroid was just a little bit, her uh, TSH was a little bit high, which is, um, you know, diagnostic of underactive thyroid. I put her on thyroid medication. She appeared to improve for mm, two or three months. And then she kind of just didn't really get very much better. At the same time, though, my understanding and awareness of natural healing had grown tremendously. And so um, I put her on a diet of 100% natural, unprocessed food, and all of her symptoms disappeared, and she was able to stop her thyroid medicine. Then something else happened. This is the 90s now. So every year, I check a few stats. I always check the top 10 causes of death, make sure I'm keeping, uh, making sure I'm addressing them so my patients don't fall victim to any of these top 10 causes. Then I also check and see what are the top prescribed medications so I can make sure that I understand what's going on and that I don't miss any diagnoses. And I was very troubled uh, to find the first several years of my medical practice, the top prescribed medication was, drum roll, boom, Valium. Valium. Now, Valium is a drug for which no, there's, no, there's no disease where you do a blood test and, oh, the blood test is elevated, boom, prescribed Valium. So there's not any objective determinant as to whether or not Valium, a sedative, is necessary or not. It's just a subjective decision on the part of the doctor, maybe in conjunction with the patient. But this whether or not Valium is prescribed and how much is prescribed is a totally arbitrary and discretionary uh, decision. No objectivity, whatever, none. And this is an outpatient basis. Sometimes it's an inpatient basis. Maybe the person is having seizures, whatever. We're not going to talk about that. But it's an outpatient basis. The prescription of Valium is totally, totally discretionary. And there's no objective measure as to whether or not it is necessary or not. The significance of this is in order for a drug to be the number one prescribed drug, it must be, its prescription must be governed by something that's totally not related to the person's uh, objective health. For example, cholesterol medications were number one for uh, a few years. And cholesterol medicine is totally unrelated, its prescription, to the person's objective health or well-being. And so whenever a drug is the number one prescribed drug, the use of it is basically cultural slash political, not objective, 
medical addressing a person's condition. What has that got to do with the thyroid? Aha. So thyroid medicine, levothyroxine, was the number one prescribed drug for several years. And so then we know that its prescription must be arbitrary, capricious, and discretionary. So let's take a look. Let's see what they're telling your doctor. What showed up in your doctor's inbox? This is November 14, 2016. This is Medscape Family Medicine. And this is a very, you know, pro-doctor, pro-medical industrial complex publication that um, keeps your doctor up to date on just what the heck is going on. Okay. And so it says using levothyroxine. Levothyroxine, by the way, is a drug. It's actually a synthetic um, thyroid hormone replacement given to people who are perceived to be or believed to have a um, underactive thyroid. Okay. So using levothyroxine to treat subclinical. What does subclinical mean? Subclinical means person hasn't got any clinical symptoms of underactive thyroid should be considered on a patient-by-patient basis and started only after at least two TSH tests show an abnormal result, urges a group of clinicians concerned about overuse of the drug. Again, we, we talked about this bias, not the bias towards overuse, but the bias that now, since the drug companies are running the show, in other words, they get the money first via Obamacare, they don't want to let go of it. So, there, so a lot of this data, which is accurate, but before it was suppressed, concealed, and now it's thrown out there in the open. Why? Because the drug companies perceive that they already have your money through compulsory health insurance payments. So now it's okay for them to share with you the awful truth that the health care for which you've paid insurance premiums is not needed. Nevertheless, let's uh, proceed. So there's been an explosion in prescriptions for levothyroxine in recent years, largely driven by guidelines recommending the treatment of subclinical increases in TSH levels, even in the absence of symptoms, they say. And then this is, this is a real uh, thing to drill through your skull. If you have a TSH, thyroid-stimulating hormone level, you know who you are. That's less than 10. And there is absolutely no evidence that treating that level is medically beneficial to you. Now, it may be medically beneficial to somebody else, like maybe financially beneficial to the doctor or to the institution, whatever. But it is not beneficial to your health or your longevity. So there you have it. Now, what do they say? However, there is scant evidence. Now, scant evidence. If you listen to this radio show for a while, when the medical industrial complex uses the word scant evidence, that's a pretty harsh indictment. That means like no evidence to support a benefit from treatment, which may expose patients to ongoing out-of-pocket expenses as well as adverse effects, especially in older patients with naturally higher TSH levels. Okay. So in other words, doctors are treating a normal variant with a dangerous drug. Again, this is how we get 880,000 people every year dying from medical intervention. And again, because they say there's scant evidence, that leaves just a little crack of the door open for clinicians, we'll say doctors, to treat if they feel like it. Okay. There is substantial uncertainty and complexity associated with the technical aspects of identifying otherwise healthy people affected by mild non-specific symptoms who would benefit from levothyroxine. Oh, that's, a, that's pretty confusing, isn't it? 
That means you might as well use a Ouija board to guess and decide if otherwise healthy people with vague symptoms would benefit from levothyroxine. So all you Lyme people out there, all you chronic fatigue people out there, (coughs) they're talking about you. What you're saying is if you have symptoms that are vague, that are bothersome, there is no certainty, it's not certain that treating you with levothyroxine is at all beneficial. And again, this comes to what I believe the real real scandal in medicine, which is that all of this um, scientific testing and these studies are really a cover for people being poisoned by uh, environmental factors such as the air and the water, by personal factors such as um, the, the lotion, the perfume, the makeup that they choose to wear, by personal habits like using your cell phone. So all of these things have hazards, create diseases, and damage people. And so what doctors are there for is to pretend this is not happening and say, oh, it's your thyroid. Oh, my God, you've got thyroid symptoms. You know, these tests are normal, but sometimes when these tests are normal, people benefit, uh, feel better from taking thyroid hormone. But the truth of the matter is, if your thyroid tests are normal, even though you feel lousy, it just means your thyroid is not the problem. It just means something else is the problem. It doesn't mean you're not sick. It doesn't mean you're malingering. It just means your thyroid is not the problem. And it just means fixing your thyroid is not going to be of benefit to you. So not long term. Okay. And so this is the doctor at the endocrinology research unit uh, in, of course, the Mayo Clinic. And they're one of our favorite uh, reference places. Okay. So the uncertainty and complexity calls for policies. What are policies? Policies are rules, standard of care, that invite patients and clinicians to enroll in clinical trials to assess the effectiveness of levothyroxine use rather than to the routine expanding and prolonged use of a treatment of uncertain value, they state. Okay, so now people need to submit to experimentation. This is utter, utter nonsense. Why is this utter nonsense? It's utter nonsense because we now have electronic medical records. And your medical records are just a matter of, well, public knowledge. And if anybody wants to take a look, they can, you know, point and click a few buttons, sort all the prescriptions written for levothyroxine, sort them according to person's laboratory values, and look at the notes and see how the people progress. This is very simple. Because using um, levothyroxine, I'll use the word inappropriately, um, in this manner has been going on for quite some time, certainly as long as I've been in medicine, and that would be uh, 1979. And so these doctors and their colleagues want to call attention to the issue of overuse of levothyroxine, as well as recommending that physicians adopt a precautionary patient-centered approach when considering starting someone on the drug. Now, the problem with this patient-centered approach is a lot of patients have been doing research, and they literally come to doctors 
begging for a thyroid supplement. And some people say, well, you know, I don't want levothyroxine because that's artificial. I want the natural levothyroxine from the pig or from the cow or whatever other animal uh, it comes from. So uh, the problem really is if you have a patient-centered approach, which means, which means basically, you know, have the patient weigh in on it, most patients weigh in in favor of, thy- of unnecessary, non-beneficial thyroid use. And they just want the natural form. And so this, of course, from the patient's perspective, unknowingly, is, of course, not solving the problem. Okay. So if someone is on the drug, it's also important that patients understand what is driving these prescriptions and be more aware, he said, that in addition, it's vital to the scientific and research community realize we have to do something. And again, so this type of of, uh, discussion of course, you can see the bias is that they want people to stop using this drug because, of course, it's expensive. So this is written from the insurance company's uh, perspective. So in the meantime, decisions still have to be made, said Dr. Rodriguez Gutierrez, involving the patient in the discussion to see not only the benefits, of which we are not very sure, but also the harms and the costs and inconvenience is key. And then a decision can be taken together as to whether to test and ultimately treat. <clears throat> so these people are even suggesting you don't even test to see if the thyroid is a problem. I think it's going a bit far. As long as you're practicing medicine, why not do the test? And if the test shows that uh, the thyroid is normal, then look for other means. But the problem here is this is a catch-22 for the medical industrial complex. Okay, the person is sick. They're fat. They're constipated. They're tired. They're cold all the time. It's not the thyroid. Well, what is it? Then either the patient or the patient's relative is going to go looking for the other cause, and they might find that it's the fertilizer they use in the lawn, or maybe it's the herbicide they use to keep the lawn beautiful so there's no weeds. And so then there's a danger the real cause might be uncovered. Okay, so levothyroxine, the most prescribed drug in the United States. While prevalence of over, overt hypothyroidism is low, between 0.2 and 2% of the population, and its incidence is stable, the authors point out that the number of prescriptions for levothyroxine have increased substantially in recent years. And it is now the most prescribed drug in the United States, with 120 million prescriptions written in 2014. And it's the third most prescribed drug in, in England. So let's just take, break this down, 120 million prescriptions in 2014. Um, most people get uh, a prescription every uh, three months. So that's four times a year. So four into 120 is 30. So 30 million people taking thyroid medicine in the United States. 30 million people, almost 10% of the population. When we know... At best, 2% of the people need it. So in other words, at least 80% of the prescriptions written for for thyroid medicine are unnecessary because the people don't have the disease for which they're being treated. Again, this is not to say they're not sick. This is just to say that the cause of their sickness is not the thyroid. Several factors have driven the increase in prescriptions, the doctors say. 
subclinical hypothyroidism affects 12% of the adult population. And current guidelines say that those with TSH more than 10 or those with TSH between 5.5 and 10 who have potentially related symptoms, positive antibodies or cardiovascular disease should receive treatment. Okay, again, the treatment of anything under 10 is proven to be of no use to uh, the individual. And then what you're saying, people with TSH greater than 10 who have no symptoms, no adverse symptoms at all, who feel perfectly fine, are also being treated uh, with medicine. And again, it's not clear that treating someone who feels perfectly fine ever helpful. Yet the guidelines are not backed up by data. And this is something we see again and again and again and again in medicine. So here we have guidelines governing the use of the number one prescribed drug, and these guidelines are not backed up by research or science or any information indicating that they are accurate. (laughs) So the doctors argue there is a lack of evidence to suggest that there is a clear benefit of levothyroxine therapy outside of patients with thyroid cancer. So this is interesting. So if you don't have thyroid cancer, in other words, if you have thyroid cancer, they give you radioactive iodine to destroy your thyroid, and then, of course, you need levothyroxine therapy. So what they're saying is in the absence of that, there's no evidence to suggest <coughs> there's a benefit to the therapy. But that has never stopped doctors from prescribing anything. Why? Because it's a standard of care, and the fact that there is no uh, data, no information, no research supporting it has never stopped something from becoming the standard of care. Why? Because the standard of care is written by the very people who manufacture the medications. Okay. So adding to the pressure, the researchers note that the American Thyroid Association recommends that asymptomatic men and women age 35 or more should be screened for thyroid dysfunction every five years which has led to a surge in thyroid tests. Not only tests, but prescriptions. When I was in medical practice in the 90s, you never, ever saw a guy on thyroid medicine. Why? Because it's a guy thing. Guys feel good. They don't go see the doctor. And we were in medical school. Men were harshly, harshly criticized for this. But because the men, when they felt good, did not see the doctor and just continued on with their lives, They were never tested, and they were never thrown on these thyroid medicines. So now we've got the men in the fold. I don't know I'm healthy unless the doctor says I'm healthy. If the doctor finds something wrong, even though I feel good, why there must be something wrong. And so now a lot of men are taking thyroid medication. So as a result, the proportion of patients being treated has increased in recent years, they state. In the U.K., For example, those with TSH of 10 or lower were prescribed levothyroxine 1.3 times more in 2009 than 2001, and 31% of treated patients had normal thyroid values and no symptoms or abnormal heart risk factors. This is just a tragedy. This is absolutely a tragedy. It's just plain sad. And... um, this is a serious problem. But the doctors point out that elevated TSH levels 
normalize in 60% of cases without intervention. In other words, 60% of people who have abnormal TSH levels, their body will auto-correct, correct itself, or heal itself without intervention. They're saying potentially due to normal variations in TH, TSH levels. In other words, you have a normal range for thyroid levels, but that person's TSH level, which is a, a negative measurement of thyroid hormone. In other words, if there's not enough thyroid hormone, the pituitary gland says, hey, wait, let me put out some more thyroid-stimulating hormone to stimulate that thyroid to work harder and put out more stuff. And so basically this is a, a transient or passing imbalance that is going to correct itself, but it gets caught by doctors testing people who feel fine. And this is a huge industrial issue, which is labeling healthy people as sick. And what this does, when you label healthy people as sick, of course it does make more money, but even more importantly, it brings that individual and their life under the management and control of a government agency, which is the hospital, the doctors who are licensed by the government and instructed by the government. And so um, this is what's going on. Okay. So it's going to be caused by a flu or a cold, um, a drug the person is taking, like a lot of heart drugs cause elevated TSH, environmental stress factors, among other things. So in addition, healthy elderly people have been shown to have naturally higher TSH levels. And again, so all these people are being put on thyroid medications with absolutely no clinical benefit to the individual. Another issue is that the symptoms, such as dry skin, hair loss, constipation, aches and pains, tiredness, are vague and linked to hypothyroidism in only around 10% of cases. And that's what we guessed. We guessed that at least 80% of the drugs were overprescribed. People didn't need them. And so they're saying it's closer to 90%. Therefore, symptoms might not reliably identify who can benefit from levothyroxine treatment, the team writes. Well, if you don't have any symptoms, then it's not clear you can benefit from treatment. It's like very straightforward. Before prescribing levothyroxine, clinicians should also consider the financial implications. Again, this is the insurance companies talking, because most people don't have to pay for their thyroid medicines. The thyroid medicines are covered by insurance. And the insurance companies will say, well, you know, it's hurting our profits, and you have a social obligation to reduce your particular health care consumption because you're spending your neighbor's money. At the same time, they don't want to give the person the choice to say, you know what, I don't want to spend my neighbor's money, so I'm not going to get health insurance. I'm just going to pay for whatever I want to pay for. And so the insurance companies want to have it both ways. They want to force you to buy insurance at the same time, and they want to force you to curtail your spending. So you should say, wait a minute, I'm going to spend the way I want to spend. I'll pay out of pocket. And those who want to buy insurance, why? They can buy insurance. And so... um, out-of-pocket costs to patients in the United States can be as high as $100 every three months. And treatment will result in ongoing clinical visits and possibly lifelong monitoring and follow-up. Finally, levothyroxine has therapeutic consequences. In older patients, treatment can result overactive thyroid, of course, 
Obviously, if you take more thyroid medicine when you didn't need it in the first place, then you end up with an overactive thyroid. Increasing the risk of heart arrhythmias, chest pain, bone loss, and fractures, they observe. This is really very, very sad. Um, I was talking to a lady the other day, and she had been getting her thyroid tested and getting screened and taking thyroid medicine for about uh, 10 years. And she was noticing that her bones were breaking. She was getting bone fractures. And so she uh, contacted me because um, she wanted to make sure her thyroid was managed properly, and she wanted to know how she could strengthen her bones. And so she told me she was very proud that she was able to get her thyroid, medicine, thyroid level normal. I said, oh, that's interesting. Well, what was the highest your thyroid level has ever been during all the years you've tested it? She says, well, it's never been anything over five. Well, over five. Duh. Anything under 10, there's no clinical benefit to treating it. So what happened is she had been taking thyroid medicine for 10 years. It had caused her bone loss and her fractures. And she actually needed to stop taking her thyroid medicine. And the real kicker was she didn't trust regular doctors, so she was going to a natural, holistic practitioner of some sort and receiving natural thyroid. And so this is a real problem when um, the natural realm attempts to imitate the medical realm and engage in therapy that is totally unnecessary, but just eh, do it naturally. And a lot of times it's, uh, it's just as damaging and just as harmful. So repeat TSH before considering treatment and conduct more studies. So we want, we want more research, of course, which is, you know, more research, A, is almost never done. And B, if it is done, the, re- the results are just buried. The other problem is the hospital is allowed to write its standard of care, which is totally at odds with the standard of care the insurance company writes. So the doctor, when he's in his office, follows one standard of care, which is for the insurance company to get paid. And then when he's in the hospital, he has to follow the hospital standard of care in order to keep his hospital privileges. So this particular piece written by the uh, insurance companies is going to have limited effect because hospitals, of course, want this to go on because what are they going to do? They're going to have more arrhythmias to treat, more chest pain, more bone fractures to fix. This is big, this is big business. The TSD levothyroxine prescriptions are just the beginning. These complications, these are hefty, hard-hitting, high-ticket complications. This is no uh, trivial thing. So they say, to improve the quality of the levothyroxine prescription, authors recommend several strategies, beginning with assessing the potential benefit versus burden of treatment on an individual patient basis. And again, the benefit is always, always, always unknown. They also recommend that due to the potential for, for TSH levels to normalize over time, all patients with abnormally high TSH concentrations that are consistent with subclinical hypothyroidism should have the test repeated, ideally in the same laboratory after six months before treatment is considered. This is... a uh, this is, uh, I think, really bordering on silly. Um, you've got a patient. Maybe they have symptoms. Maybe they don't. 
um, their thyroid test is slightly abnormal. And what has happened is people perceive these tests the same way they perceive the tests, say, in school. Everybody wants an A+. Everybody wants all their values to be within normal. And so people are saying, Doc, if that test is high, by golly, I want it treated. And they don't have uh, the backstory, which is there's no benefit to being treated. It's like uh, treating a pimple with a grenade or something. You know, there's really not a big advantage there. And as treatment has started, the authors recommend the lowest dose of a generic preparation should be used and reassessed periodically to determine its effectiveness. And again, they're recommending a generic price saving on the part of the insurance companies and, the, of course, the lowest dose, least expensive, cheapest. And again, to even make a comment about this, uh, you know, clearly reveals the bias. In the meantime, the authors call for much-needed research on the effectiveness of levothyroxine. They said the idea would be to have a multi-center study with different clinical scenarios, including people with subclinical hypothyroidism, and then give them the treatment and see what happens on outcomes that matter to them. Again, if a person has no symptoms, then what is the outcome that matters to them? The outcome that matters to them is that they have a number on a piece of paper, supposedly from their blood, and that that number is a more pleasing number. This is worse than cosmetic surgery. At least in cosmetic surgery, you can see the difference, you know. Maybe your nose is more attractive. It'll be easier for you to make friends or get a job. But to simply try and normalize the number on a piece of paper I mean, that's mind control. You know, when you can get someone obsessed with a number on a piece of paper, then you own them. You got them. Because you can make that number whatever it is. Or even better, you can change what the normal range is. You keep that person jumping through hoops the rest of their life. And this, of course, uh, is the danger of the educational system. People are, are basically conditioned to respond in a serious way to letters on a piece of paper, whether it's A, a, B, C, D, or whether it's a number, somewhere between uh, zero and 100. And this is something, for the sake of your health and your sanity, you need to to break that association. So the outcome matters to them. The outcome that matters to them is not TSH, it's quality of life, he stressed. I wish he was right. And unfortunately, when people come to me and talk to me, and I try to focus on quality of life, they want to focus on a piece of paper. And then even when the piece of paper is normal, their feeling is, wait a minute, my quality of life is not perfect, so even though the piece of paper is normal, I should have treatment. So then what you have is people believing the objective numbers when they want to, not believing it when they don't want to, but in any case, having a bias towards taking a drug that is not beneficial. Now, this is another thing that really bugged me when I was in medical practice. And it irritated me so much that I hated prescribing thyroid medicine. And this is it. Symptoms persist despite normalized TSH with levothyroxine. And so 
people would have abnormal values, you give them drugs, it brings their, their blood tests in the normal range, and they still feel lousy. This always bothered me. Like, what are we really doing? Is this person, how is this person being helped by taking this thyroid medicine? If they have normal levels and they still feel lousy. And so, of course, I would just send them all to the specialist. Send them to the specialist because the specialist has had three more years of training than me in this very narrow field, and surely he has the answers. So what happened? People still didn't get better. And as a family practice doctor, the way the system treated this was, oh, you're just a family practice doctor. You don't know what you're doing. Okay, so I sent him to the specialist. Maybe he knows. They come back. They're no better. And then they tell me, well, you know, you're just not aware of the benefit here. And this is the proper um, therapy. And this is the standard of care, and it should be followed. Well, this still doesn't solve the problem, which is getting better from this. And so, so despite having normal blood levels of thyroid-stimulating hormones, many patients treated for hypothyroidism with levothyroxine continue to have symptoms, including tiredness, as well as overweight, and a greater likelihood of depression and slow heart rate compared with healthy controls according to the new research. Okay. So in other words, even when people meet the criteria for therapy, you treat them, you know, they, in other words, they feel lousy and their lab tests are not normal. You treat them and they still feel lousy. What's up with that? What's up with that is their lousy feeling is related to something other than their thyroid. And so these researchers, this is the new, this is October 25th, 2016, a different uh, Medscape entry. So patients have told us for years they complain of having a hard time losing weight and feeling sluggish and depressed. Senior author Antonio Bianco, professor of medicine at Rush University Medical Center in Chicago, says, now, for the first time, we have documentation that supports the patient's complaints. Well, duh, what did they do? They just take a bigger survey? Demonstrating that this was not only in their minds, as some have suggested. Having a normal TSH does not necessarily equate with having a normal thyroid. And so what they're saying then is the serum T3-T4 ratios in the treated group were 20% lower than in the healthy match control groups. And this is what uh, a lot of the naturalists are saying. as Well, we're replacing T4, but we're not replacing T3 or vice versa, and therefore these ratios are off. And... The point here is that treatment with thyroid replacement doesn't solve the the problem, especially with uh, synthetic thyroid replacement. And so different people, of course, respond to different things. 
I think the big take-home message is not to focus on a label, but to focus more on uh, getting relief, you know, whether or not you're getting relief or whether or not you have anything to get relief from. So if you don't have any symptoms of a thyroid problem, it sounds like it's best not to even get your thyroid tested. Yep, that's it. Not to even get it tested. So, what happens? What is my understanding of this vast group of people who are tired, who are sluggish, who are overweight, who are constipated, and have normal thyroid values, but all of these symptoms of thyroid um, problems? The answer is it's not their thyroid. So what is it? Well, the answer is it's a combination of things. All the different glands in the body actually work together. So the thyroid gland, the um, adrenal gland, the liver. The liver is not considered to be a gland, but the liver does control the hormone levels of all the other glands. And so in other words, in the liver, the hormones can be destroyed or created. The liver can act as a buffer, decreasing the activity or increasing the activity of any endocrine gland. So you have the um, adrenal glands and you have the liver and you have the um, pituitary. There's the pancreas as well. So one way to fix the thyroid is simply to fix the adrenal glands, fix the liver, and fix the pancreas. Very, actually, much easier than fixing the thyroid. And it's been my experience that when that's done, about 80% of people who think they're uh, under, underactive thyroid have a hypothyroid or a thyroid problem, actually hypo or hyper, um, the problem goes away. When I say the problem goes away, I mean their symptoms are gone, and since their lab tests were always normal anyway, then there's really nothing left to do. It's kind of like uh, the end of it. So... Uh, Chances are 80% if you're taking thyroid medicine or if you think you need thyroid medicine that the problem is not your thyroid. And that treating your thyroid is actually not going to make the problem better. So that is the deal. Well, we have about 15 minutes left. Let me go mosey on over to the uh, chat room, see if we have some questions there. Let's do a little click here and we will drag. There you go. And click over here. Okay. So let's take a look. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Daniels. I was wondering, can taking iodine cause hypothyroid conditions? Absolutely. And so when all this big thyroid craze came around, I used to recommend Iodine, because of course that's what everybody said. And but following people over a longer period of time, I found that taking the iodine did not help. Sometimes one or two doses of iodine might help initially, and then after that, you know, stop it. But um, I could not find any observational information that confirmed it. <laughs> Okay, Dr. Daniels, do you think that it's 
a goal of the medical industrial complex to cause people to doubt themselves and to get people to routinely and voluntarily check in and get tested? Um, absolutely. And um, I have another radio show called What Are They Testing For, which talks about um, the frequency of false positives. So if you check in and you get the battery of screening tests every year, your chance of getting a, a false positive are pretty high, about 75%. So you have basically a healthy person checking in who's already committed themselves just by the fact that they checked in to believe and go along with or play along with all the false positives. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> So, Dr. Dance, if you've been on Synthroid and natural thyroid a long time, like 30 years, and you still have symptoms, how to wean off the meds and how to feel better? First thing you do is, if you have been taking these medicines for 30 years, is to check your thyroid um, test and take the lowest dose of these medicines that creates normal values. Okay, so now you've got that done. The next step is to address these symptoms directly. <coughs> in terms of uh, your adrenal gland, which would be uh, licorice root, and in terms of your liver, which would be at least milk thistle, possibly other uh, liver support things. And then to look at your diet and make sure that you're getting all the chemicals and poisons out of your diet, you know, any processed foods, whatever. And then to check your environment to make sure you're not being poisoned. Because the symptoms of underactive thyroid are nearly identical with the symptoms of poisoning. And so what people need to realize is if your thyroid medicines are not clearing up your symptoms, then your symptoms are not from your thyroid. And you need to start looking to your diet, your environment, and where the poisoning might be coming from so you can stop it. (laughs) Dr. Dennis, do you know what causes stuttering? Like what specific organ is toxic? Yes, it's the brain. So stuttering is caused by a brain issue, and it's not so much a toxin as it is a malnutrition. And in my experience, it's been trace minerals, and that generally gets rid of the um, stuttering very nicely. Okay. Okay, so what causes fat pads on the sides of your neck? Okay, so I'm familiar with fat pads on the back of the neck. So fat pads in the back of the neck are caused by a diet with too much sugar and too much bread and exhaustion of the adrenal glands. So that's the fat pads on the back of the neck. Fat pads on the side of the neck, uh, I'm really familiar with that. Okay, if you've been a sensory, okay, got it. <laughs> Dr. Daniels, fear of a number on a piece of paper even if you feel fine, must make it easy to create a psychosomatic illness in a healthy person. Yes, absolutely. And so with the educational system, where you literally teach people to burst into tears when they get an F or a D, this is conditioning people to respond in a very emotional way to letters on a piece of paper. And with this conditioning, that person then is subjected to medical testing, filled with false positives, and the person is like, oh, my God, 
and they totally focus on the piece of paper. Okay. Dr. Hans, what is the best time to take one's blood pressure? It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If you're... <laughs> uh, the blood pressure is lowest when you wake up in the morning, and it's highest generally um, right before or right after dinner. So it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Dr. Hans, I have pre-hypertension. Now, again, pre, what does that mean? It means you don't have it. So it's like being, like being pre-pregnant or pre-dead. You know, you don't have hypertension. Okay. So Dr. Daniels, I don't have hypertension. I've cleaned up my diet, about 80%. I drink water. I monitor my blood pressure morning and night. When it spikes, when it spikes, if I feel guilty, defeated, resulting in white coat syndrome. Okay, I don't understand the question. But I'll tell you this. If your blood pressure is only elevated in your doctor's office, then you don't have hypertension. How often should I take my blood pressure? If your blood pressure is normal at home, then I would say maybe take it once a week for a while and then just stop taking it. (laughs) Oh, great. Hi, Dr. Daniels. My mother was one of your patients. Back in Syracuse, she was happy to hear you are well. Over the years, she has spoken so highly of you, and she wondered what happened to you. I found you on the Internet, and we listened to one of your interviews. She is so happy to know you're well. <laughs> yeah, my patients were very, very worried uh, when, when they witnessed with horror um, the whole uh, ordeal the government uh, went through. Okay, that is it, I think, for the uh, chat room. Let's um, take a look. <laughs> All right, somebody in the in the chat room likes the pre-dead diagnosis. Okay, what causes the adrenals to be not working correctly? Uh, what causes the adrenals to not work correctly is excessive caffeine, so high coffee intake or coffee enemas, um, and processed foods. So if you have a diet that's high in um, sugar or uh, white flour, that stresses the adrenals. And just anxiety and stress. If you have a life that you hate, a life that you don't want to live, filled with people that don't like you or you don't like them, that can really be a stress in your adrenal glands. So I always encourage people to um, really just don't spend any time around people who are not nice to you. I know that sounds pretty silly, but it really, really lowers your stress. And you need to think also that they might not be very happy as well, or even better, there might be someone else they could be around that would make them even happier. And so your not being around creates a space for them to increase their happiness. Okay, Dr. Daniels, can doing a near infrared sauna help get rid of the toxins that may be causing hypothyroid? Uh, It could. It could. I think it's pretty indirect because it depends on the kind of sauna you have. But there are saunas where your head sticks out. and So, of course, the thyroid isn't really getting much action. Um, If you really want to get rid of your thyroid problem using a sauna, I would recommend hot yoga. That'll really uh, sweat it out of you. Obviously, of course, you have to, you know, replace your salt, replace your water, replace your trace minerals. 
All right, we have a question here on the line. Let's see if we can't figure out a way to do this. Hi, you're on the air. Your name and your question? Okay. We're going to take a look up here. Okay. R. Dixon. Oh, I know who that is. Okay. All right. That is it for questions. We have a few more minutes. Oh, we need to do station identification. You are listening to Blake Radio Network, Rainbow Soul Channel. Oh, we have another question here. Hello. Hi, your name and your question, please. Name is Al. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. Yes, um... I've called before, but I have never first time talking. My question is, um, how does a person uh, recover their equilibrium when they've had a stroke? How do they recover their equilibrium when they had a stroke? Um, well, first of all, you have to reverse the stroke. That's the most straightforward way to do it. A lot of people say, oh, you know, you need physical therapy. But you need to um, reestablish circulation in the brain. And the simplest way to do that is to clean up your diet, but also, um, I find that high-dose milk thistle is very useful because that causes the liver to um, purify the blood even more. And then, as the blood circulates to the brain, it actually dissolves that old clot, and you can get the area reperfused. You said high-dose what? Milk thistle. Milk thistle, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Dr. Daniels, thank you so much. Appreciate that. All right, you're welcome. Yeah, a lot of times, especially in modern medicine, they, they just uh, address something that is simply not the problem. So with the stroke, you know, you can do physical therapy for the limb uh, that appears to be paralyzed, but you're much better off just fixing the problem in the, uh, in the brain, which is where it happened. All right, Dr. Daniels, what is your view on cold water therapy, cold showers in the morning, cold dips, especially in cold environments? Does it strengthen your immune system like some say it does or hot dip, cold dip therapy? (laughs) Okay. Well, I am from Syracuse, New York, which is a super, super cold place. And in Syracuse, we have the Polar Bear Club. And the Polar Bear Club dips into icy cold water sometime in January every year. And so I had this patient who was a member of the Polar Bear Club. And he was uh, very slender and um, ultimately, long story short, died of cancer at the age of 62. So it didn't do much for him. So what what, uh, my opinion is cold water therapy per se is not really helpful. What is helpful is alternating hot and cold. And you can alternate hot and cold in terms of an injured body part. But I think if you're in excellent health, then there's no particular benefit to uh, cold therapy. Hope that answers the question. I have another question here. Hi, you're on the air. Your name and your question? Yes. Yes. Good evening. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah, I'm calling from uh, Virgin Islands. Um, oh, they nice. Are, 
Yeah, there are some people here. Lots of people want you to do a show on uh, one of the local stations that's very popular with um, Health Matters. Um, a lot of people being. Oh, let me give you the email address. You can um, send the request to the email to to my assistant, and then she she can schedule it. I don't schedule okay. things because I always make. So it's Shali S H A L E E. Yes, I um I had email her about um having your products over here because of the request. Ah, okay. But most of all. People want to hear you on the radio, and I think that you are doing an excellent job. I listen to most of your your shows, and um, mm-hmm. uh, it pretty much uh, made me change a lot of things that I was doing, and I'm seeing great results. Mm-hmm. So I oh, want to tell you keep up, the good good. keep up the good work, and you are a godsend. And whatever we can do to support you, we are, will be happy to do so. Oh, thank you so much. Okay. Thank you very much. Yes. Yeah, just send an email to Shelly, and then I can get on the radio. I'll do the radio show for you. Okay, thank you very much, and you have a blessed evening. Okay, thank you. Yeah, so people right. definitely, um, I need all the encouragement I can get. So thank you very much. Okay, you're welcome. Uh huh. Bye bye. All right. Uh, let's see. Is milk thistle tea therapeutic enough, or should we take something stronger? You know, I have found that um, milk thistle tea works very nicely. I do recommend that you buy your own milk thistle seeds and grind them up. So I don't think that you should rely on capsules. All righty. Well, that's it. We are out of time. And as always... Think happens. I want to remind people that we have the Visit Dr. Daniels in Panama coming up January 20th to 27th. We have only seven slots left. And um, you can contact Shelly, Shelly at VitalityCapsules.com for more information on that. And we are going to sign out. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.